Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. I am so excited about this series because this is this has like been the culmination of my um, Christian experience. It's kind of like the Lord's like say, take everything and put it into this really usable, actionable package, and um, fill people's hearts with it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> eat all the cookies in the house, deal. So our our court. Um, text is going to be out of Luke chapter 12, and I, I didn't really get there last week because I was kind of introducing what we're doing, but this is King and Kingdom, and our core text is going to be out of Luke chapter 12. I'm going to just read through the core text in Jesus' name. I'm not going to stop and preach through all of that. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to um, to elongate, illustrate what he wants to, instead of me like chomping at the bit. So Luke chapter 12, and we'll start in verse uh, 39. I'm sorry, 29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink. Everybody understands that ye is you, right? I know like people don't want to use their brains for some reason in Christianity, and so that's why they get other versions of the Bible. Um, I like the... I like the King James. Let me just say this why. Here's why I like the King James. On purpose, the language is clunky. Because it was, it's a 600 year old version. And the way that we talk 600, man, the way we talk 60 months ago isn't even the same. Sometimes you talk to, to the young people today and you're like, what did, what? <laughs> I had to, <laughs> when I ran restaurants, I had tons and tons and tons of young people that worked for me. And back then, texting just was invented. I know, I know. Uh, all the young, what? Texting was actually invented at some point? I know. I had the first iPhone in 2007. Before there were, you know, back then you were super cool if you had a Nokia flip phone. And then I got an iPhone. That's right. I was hip. And anyway, so as texting started to go, anybody remember texting on flip phones? You had to hit a seven like 42 times to get I. Ah, I went past it. Oh, I went past it. I'm just calling them. (laughs) All you young people, you have to Google that. You have no idea what I just said. Anyway, uh, when I first got an iPhone, the young folks would text me, and obviously everything was super abbreviated. And so... Everything was like a three-letter or a four-letter anagram, and you didn't know what they were saying. I literally had to go online, Google, and print off a piece of paper that had all of the all of the letters, LOL, laugh out loud, OMG, that's cussing. <laughs> and I printed that off, and I carried it around with me so that when my young people texted me, I'm like, okay, so they said they're, be right back, got it, be, why did you leave? It's kind of the reason that I like the King James. Because the language is clunky, it makes you search it out. The other uh, quote-unquote translations are not as much a translation as they are a commentary. And that's fine. Listen, I read hundreds of versions of the Bible. But there's times that I don't want necessarily somebody's opinion of what was written. I want to know what was written. And I'm not saying the King James is perfect, but the King James is the version that you can literally go almost anywhere and you can attach it to the, to the actual Greek. You can get a Strong's Concordance. You can go online. Um, you can get, uh, what's yours, Clark? What do you call that? Yeah. Pocket Bible. 
there's another one, uh, Green Tree or something like. Anyway, there are hundreds of like apps and computers and all that kind of, where you can literally click on the words and it will give you the Greek word. That's why I like the King James because it's clunky. And then I got to go research the word. Then I found out what the word really meant, and then I plug it back in. And so I'm not telling you to go get King James Version's Bible. I'm just telling you why you are likely going to, when I hear me preach, you're going to hear the King James, because that's why I really, really like it. And the second reason I really, really like it is because when I was a kid, it was about all you had, and that's what I learned. So when I was five, I got born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was five years old, and I got a Bible right around then, and I started reading it, and so I just thought everybody's supposed to talk like King James. When we moved to the south and they and they said y'all all the time, I'm like, man, they've been reading the Bible in the south way longer than the north because they don't say y'all at all. <laughs> and it literally is where ye all, the folks in the south, it's literally where it came from. Is ye all in the Bible, they just slung it together and they made it y'all. They actually grew up on the King James in the south and the north. Uh, how many of you knew that? So... When I'm reading through here and you, and you see ye and, and ought and righteousness and all those kind, of, those are just old old English, and you need to make sure that you do the transformation in your mind. That's what Pastor Bob was just talking about. Transform your mind, and you're going to get the revelation of it. Amen. And seek not you what you shall eat. The reason I wanted to say that is because I want you to see that it's almost kind of awkward the way, the way the Lord said that. Seek not you what you should eat. He was very, very specific who he was talking to. Like he didn't say, all you men don't seek food for your kids. He was saying, you don't seek for you what you shall eat or what you shall drink. I think some of you, this may be the first time you've heard these verses. God bless you. And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather, seek you the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. See how timely that was? Fear not, little flock. This is not Jesus being condescending before you. Jesus called me a sheep. He's the good shepherd. It'd be an honor to be his sheep. Fear not, little flock. Why should you not fear not? Because it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in a, a defeated situation where there was absolutely no way out. And I'm talking financially, physically, emotionally, relationally, I probably have 50 times that I have been in terrible circumstances that this verse has taken me out of my self-inflicted misery and placed me into a place of peace and confidence and victory. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I hope everybody understands that Jesus is not inferring that that is some time to come and some place to come. You know, when you, when you get past the terrible here and now, maybe one day you'll get to the sweet by and by, hundred years from now. And then you'll have the kingdom. You, you do realize that if Jesus was inferring that there was going to be one day somewhere in the, in the way far off that this was going to happen, 
he was literally being mean. Because he just said, fear not right now. Don't, don't fear. Because it's the Father's desire to give you the kingdom. So if he was saying the, the Father wants to give you the kingdom way, way, way then, then, he, then basically he's giving you permission to fear all the way till then. So it's your Father's desire to give you the kingdom right now. Amen. Man, that's pretty good. I, I was really struggling with which specific, really awesome uh, point I wanted to make today. I, I've, I've, actually, I've finally come to the understanding that I pretty much can only make about one point uh, a week. Because <laughs> I... I kind of know I am. Um, and so the point was, uh, which is kind of the, the sermon title, which is um, Seeker Sensitive, or I don't even know how I... Uh, yeah, Seeker Sensitive. For those of you that don't know, there is a, uh, a style of churchianity. I won't call it Christianity because it's not. There's a style of churchianity that is uh, called or classified seeker-sensitive. And I want to I wanna make this real clear. We are not a seeker-sensitive church. We are sensitive to seekers, but we are not seeker-sensitive. And there is a difference. Seeker-sensitive means that we're going to build everything we do here for you, and you're very fragile, very, very self-centered, very, very your own opinion beliefs as to what you think the church and the kingdom should be. And you're welcome to live that way, to be that way. You're, that's fine. You're just not going to be with your father. Because he's the king. And it's his kingdom. Totally not a democracy. He really doesn't even care if you like it or not. I mean, you would like it if you weren't selfish. He didn't ask you what it should be. What do you think I should do with the kingdom, Pam? What's your opinion? How should I do the? I'm taking... No. Before any of us were around, he made the kingdom. And it's been that way ever since. And everybody there loves it. It's perfect. And it's amazing to me that folks that are here... Have you ever noticed this? I'm not off track. Have you ever noticed this? That people who tend to have way more jacked up situations in their life have a ton of opinions about how you should do your life? Is it... Is it just me, or does that, does that happen to you guys, too? Like, there's a lot of people that give me opinions as to what I'm supposed to do. And, and it happens a lot here. People come two, three times, and they'll, you know, say, you know, Hi, uh, you know, I've been to your church, and I was a guest, and I'd seen all this stuff. And so I want to let you know what all the problems in your church are. And I say, nothing. Because <laughs> I don't answer those emails. And it's amazing to me that somebody who cannot commit to a church, someone who's been to like six churches in 12 years, who probably have had four spouses in 12 years as well, are going to tell me, who founded the church with 12 people in a funeral home. God bless you. Cinderella, you guys, the Downses, you guys went through so much. <laughs> it was like I got born again after we left the funeral home. And Gone through everything we've gone through. We've had two and a half church splits and, and gone through terrible stuff and people just doing garbage the first 
I'm not up here to tell stories, but I'm just going to tell this one real quick. When we were, when we were, I don't even know if we were six months old. And we were, and by we I mean me, um, we were ignorant. <laughs> but our hearts were pure. Like we just wanted to, to bless people's socks off and get the kingdom into them and love them and, and grace the, the stuffing out of them. And so anyway, we were so ignorant that we were, we weren't even really taking offerings. We had a, a treasure chest that sat like off into the edge that nobody even watched. I thought about it one day. I'm like, you know, if somebody wanted to steal all our offerings, they could just like walk in and do it. It was literally by the front door on a table. And nobody ever watched it. (laughs) Anyway, I know you guys have a lot of judgment for me. Anyway, we never did offerings. We never actually stopped in the middle of a service and took a time to encourage folks to engage financially with the kingdom and grow in that area. I would just say all the time, hey, you know, if you want to just fold up a paper bill and throw it at the, we'll take it. So God bless some of those people. They were just a, just a smidge above stupider than me. And they actually put money in the thing. And so anyway, we were collecting money. And I didn't have anything to do with it, because I was very, I was messed up, okay? Y'all give me some grace. Um, I was convinced that I wanted to do it so different at Beloved Church, because the money part of of churchianity had been so badly abused. What I wanted to do was to make sure that nobody was ever going to accuse Beloved Church of abusing money. And here's what happens, and, and this is why, this is one of the reasons I'm explaining this, is because this happens a lot, and you do this. To where you find out that you're in a ditch, like, oh God, the church is terrible with money, we need to fix it. And so then you get on the road, and then you get in the other ditch. Well, we're not gonna do anything with money at Beloved Church. Heh! And that's great when you're in a funeral home that the guy's letting you rent for free. And you have, <laughs> you, when you came to plant the church, you got out of all debt. We did, we got, we paid off every car. We, we had zero debt. We had no credit cards. We had nothing. So all I had to do was pay rent on where we lived and some groceries. And the funny thing was is that we couldn't pay the rent and we couldn't buy groceries. We had to believe God literally for groceries because I was so ignorant in the in the money thing. I got so far over in the ditch like we didn't need any money. And so I'm telling this story to say that we ended up having all this money in the checking account, a couple thousand dollars or three or five or whatever it was. And, and then we had this guy that started coming to the church. And he seemed like he was really engaged and he was talking to me every day and he just wanted to learn kingdom stuff and just da 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 and he was uh he was kind of basically homeless he was living in a place but he wasn't supposed to be living there he was kind of it it was a long story and he wanted to get his life sorted he was divorced and he came out of uh um two different kinds of addictions and all this kind of stuff. And so he wanted to put his, his life on track. And we, you know, that's what we're all about, right? Putting people's life. I mean, woo! Amen. We got a sucker now. Reel him in. And so I'm trying to reel him in and do all the stuff and meeting with him and, and da 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 da. And I'm, and he's trying to get a job and he's living in Pearl City. And, you know, there are no jobs in Pearl City, and so he's looking for jobs other places, but he's got no car, and so he can't get to places, so he's always borrowing rides to go to an interview, and then he gets the interview, and then they're like, well, how are you going to get to work? And he's like, Ugh. And so he was caught in this cycle, and, and you guys understand, like, if you ain't got a car, how do you get a job, but if, how do you get a car if you don't have a job? And he was in this, and so I'm like, we have money. We'll buy him a car. So we bought him a car. I bought it from my big brother. God bless him. He still loves me. So wait till you hear the end of the story. He still loves me. This is grace. So I bought this car from my big brother. It was a, it was a wreck. Um, it was a Volvo something. And if you own a Volvo, you need prayer. 
the it had a it had a dead short in it. I had to uh, I had to literally disconnect the battery cables. I had to cut them both, and I put switches in them because I couldn't find where it was grounding out, and it it was a drain in the battery, and the fuel pump wiring was a mess, and so I had to hot wire the fuel pump, and I put that on a switch. <laughs> That's why I'm saying the Volvo was terrible. It wasn't me. It was the Volvo. <laughs> anyway, I got this car and got it all done and, and worked on it for like forever to get it right. It took me like two weeks to work on it because I, I owned a restaurant and I was at my restaurant like 60, 70 hours. I was planting a church and I was doing all this stuff and I was trying to fix this car on the side and I was trying to do it without spending money because I was anti-money back then. Finally got it all worked out. Dude came to church. We brought the car to church on Sunday. And there was like 20 people in the church. <laughs> and so we had church, had a great time, hooped and hollered and, and did Jericho marches around the church and all that. Played with the snakes. That's what everybody said that we were doing. And got done with church and took the guy out in the parking lot and said, Hey man, bought you a car. And he... This is a gravel park. He fell on his knees and he started bawling and everybody else was bawling and I was maybe and super blessed the guy and he gets in and I'm like, hey, 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 you got to flip this switch and flip this switch. <laughs> He's like, I'm like, no, 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 wait, <laughs> there's a trick. <laughs> like, you can just leave the keys in it. Nobody would ever steal this car. <laughs> And I wrote him a check, or I didn't, or whoever wrote him a check for, like, I think it was 600 bucks to pay for the tax, the title, the license, and fill it up, and, you know, and maybe first month's insurance or whatever. Like, I figured 600 bucks would cover this. I'm like, man, awesome. Gave it to him on Sunday. You know, obviously the DMV is closed on Monday. So I'm at work at my restaurant on Tuesday. Cooking pizzas, doing my thing, whoop, whoop, loving life. We bless somebody with a car. We're a real church now. We've been called a cult already by then, because those are the two things that make you a real church. You've got to be called a cult, and you actually have to give a car away. After you've been called a cult and you give a car away, you're a real church. So I'm like, we're a real church. Woo, woo. And my big brother calls me about 8.30. He said, hey, what you doing? Dude, cooking pizzas, man. Living a life, preaching the gospel, pastoring a real church, cooking pizzas. He said, uh, you got a TV? I said, no, man, it's from the devil. <laughs> got a radio? No, man, that's from a demon. You have a phone. I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to you. He's like, okay, I'll call you back. So he called me back on the restaurant phone. He's like, get your phone out. And turn on the news. I'm like, all right. So the uh, the Texas Rangers, not the baseball people, the real Rangers, which are some of the toughest dudes you'll ever meet in your life. I've met these guys. I've fed these guys. You don't mess with these guys. I don't care who you think you are. You don't mess with the Rangers. The Texas Rangers had picked up our guy from Sunday in the car in, yeah, Texas, where he went there to meet his 13-year-old girlfriend to kidnap her and take her to Canada in my brother's car that he didn't change the title to. Yes, sir. You guys need to be happy you're part of Beloved Church in 2020. Because <laughs> that church back then, that pastor, he was a fool. <laughs> we got rid of him. We got this new guy. <laughs> super, super long story. John had to prove his innocence. I had to prove my innocence that we weren't in some kind of sex trafficking circle to get this 13-year-old girl who ended up being an undercover Texas Ranger who... 
and my brother loves me. Now you know why I said that. That, that was one of those moments. I mean, we're literally, like the FBI is involved and it's, <laughs> all I wanted to do was give a guy a car. <laughs> I just wanted to help someone. And I had to, what I'm sitting, I mean, the FBI is checking us out, and Texas Rangers, and my brother, and God bless him. He went through it like a champ. He never got irritated at me, that he said. Um, and it all got sorted. Everything's fine. I'm not under investigation. I know Siri's listening, but other than that, I, don't, I think I'm clean. And this was one of those moments that I was like, <laughs> I gave up everything. Six-figure income, great big title, super cool name tag, all of the, you know, thousands of employees that had to treat me with honor, whether they wanted to or not. All that stuff gave up all that to come here to make 300 bucks on a good week cooking pizzas in my own restaurant to pastor a church that's in a funeral home with 20 people... I have God bless them. I have no idea why they stuck it out. To to finally become a real church so I can be investigated by the Texas Rangers and the FBI. Right. Bam. Nailed it. I'm like, <clears throat> and I get, and this is totally normal. I get job offers all the time. If people want me to come pastor their churches. There's people that want me to come run their restaurants. There's people that want me to do leadership in their companies and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, nope, I pastor beloved church. I'm a minister of the gospel. That's what I do. This is where I am. If you want to find me, I'll be right here on Sunday. Because <laughs> this is what I do. I've already done all that. Do all the stuff for the money, do all the stuff for the notoriety, do all that stuff. And I'll just let you know, that is one of the most terrible black holes that you can ever get sucked into. <clears throat> and I'm standing there, and it feels like literally the way... And I have to go home and tell my wife that I'm going to be investigated by the Texas Rangers and the FBI for potential sex trafficking. And I was like, fear not, little flock. I mean, it came to me. What you put in you comes out of you. I know that you all are writing an amen in, but I'm telling you, I, I was a mechanic for a bunch of years, and you know what mechanics put into them. They're famous for it. You know what drunken sailors put into them. They're famous for it. And we could follow you around secretly. We were a fly on the wall in your living room. We would know what goes into you. And don't think that me doing this for an hour just is going to push all that out. What goes into you comes out of you. So if you don't like what's coming out of you, it's super simple. Just change what's going into you. And praise God, what came out of me was fear not, little flock. Now here I am standing here in front of glorious people and... And have an incredible worship and just seeing all this amazing stuff. But I didn't know this eight years ago that this is how it was going to turn out. All I knew was fear not, little flock. And I, back then I was like really kind of sensitive, seeker sensitive. We weren't seeker sensitive, but I was kind of seeker sensitive. And I made a determination right then and right there. It's going to be way better to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and find out what He wants to do and versus giving creepazoids cars so they can go kidnap girls. And so I moved out of whatever seeker-sensitive kind of church. I'm like, I'm just going to focus on these folks. Whoever the Lord brings in here, I'm going to bring these folks in. I'm going to disciple them. We're all going to grow together. Yeah, we're going to make some mistakes. Yeah, we're going to muck some stuff up. But at least we're going to be doing it completely under the direction and the oversight of the Holy Spirit. So if we do muck something up, He can clean it up easy and we don't have to get the FBI or the Texas Rangers involved. <laughs> And we haven't since, praise God. So it's been, 
And so when I say seeker-sensitive, there's a bunch of churches out there that it, that's it. It's, it's smoke, machine, smoke machines, tight jeans, and big screens. <laughs> we were just talking about that last, Chris, we were just talking about that last week. And it, this is why I'm not very concerned about how long I preach. And I, I, I'm sure a bunch of you are like, oh, God, he's going to do that again. You're not, little If if worship in Jesus for 30, 40 minutes and then kissing a cheek and hugging a neck for 10 minutes and then listening to the Word of God for an hour, hour and a half, if that to you is too much and you can go and do whatever it is you do for 40, 50, 60 hours a week at whatever that place is that you don't want to go to to make not enough money to work for people that you don't like. You can do that for 60 hours. You can't do this for two or three. Don't, don't try to tell me. Don't try to tell yourself. And definitely don't try to lie to God and say, like, his stuff's important. Yeah. Amen. 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 I do want to be sensitive to the fact that that people aren't there yet. And so we're going to do everything we can to be inviting to let folks know that they're greatly loved. But if the reason that whatever brings someone into the kingdom keeps them in the kingdom. So if you bring someone into the kingdom with tight jeans, big screens, and smoke machines, you got to keep that up. And I, I don't look good in tight jeans. <laughs> My wife said, if I did wear tight jeans, you would need the smoke machines. <laughs> Whatever brings someone in the kingdom keeps them there. If you're, if the worship, like if they come for the, I've got to have the worship. And we've had people do this. The worship's got to be, I don't care about the worship. We've literally had multiple times people come to church for months. One family came here for years and came for worship and left. They weren't hearing that word stuff. I just came here for the worship. And in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, worship is like the intimacy of the bedroom. You know, we are the bride and he's the groom. So when you're doing praise and worship, that would be the equivalent of the bedroom. The intimacy of the bedroom. But can I, can I get a witness from any married people in the room that if the entire marriage was the bedroom... I need a witness from a guy just to balance it. Can I get a no no guy? Yeah. Hey 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 hey! That is my mother. This is why these messages go long. It's your fault. Praise and worship is like the intimacy of the bedroom. The Word is like life with your spouse. Do I enjoy the intimacy of the bedroom with my wife? Yes. Does she enjoy it? Oh, yeah. Uh, on February 11th, we're having a marriage covenant weekend. I'm inviting anyone in Beloved Church, you're welcome to come join the Marriage Covenant Weekend that we're going to have. And we'll talk about some of these things. But if, if the best part of the relationship wasn't that regular part, you know, Kay, God bless her.
yesterday, you know, Saturday, people asked me, somebody asked me the other day, he's like, well, what are your work hours? And I was like, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> like, I don't have a day off. I don't want a day off, because what I do is like, like being off would be like punishment. Like, you're grounded. No, I can't minister to people. No. <laughs> that's why, I, that's one of the reasons I fought against the pandemic. You need to be on lockdown. <laughs> Bull crap. I'm going to go talk to people. That's what I do. <laughs> Kay woke up yesterday, uh, Saturday morning, 6 o'clock, getting ready for ladies' ministry, ladies' fellowship. Went, did all that, got her studying, prints pages and pages, and works hard, and goes through all the lesson, and gets everything right, and comes and does ladies, and then ministers to the ladies. And I was up behind her. If she's up, I'm up. And so I was studying and getting them. Then we'd... She got home, and we fed Hamhock, and uh, that's my niece, uh, Brooklyn, fed Brooklyn, and, and got. Uh, then we had to go to Rockford because we had to buy furniture for the nursery, and then we got all the stuff for the nursery and came back, and since we were here, I put it together in the basement, so then we got done at like 8 or 8.30, went home and did that whole thing, and then I had to put chairs together while we were at home for the thing, and it was awesome. I was with my wife. I was with Jesus. There's nothing that you can't do that if you don't do it. They used to make fun of me a couple of years ago. I was wrenching cars on the side because I still hadn't figured out the whole salary thing here at the church. And I was underneath a car. <laughs> and it, I can imagine how it looked. But I was underneath a car and I was just worshiping God. And I was... Man, I know some of you guys are going to be like, this guy's a mess. But I was worshiping God, and it just hit me, and I was standing underneath this car, just crying. I was worshiping God underneath this car. And one of the other guys walked up, and he was going to ask me a question or ask me for a tool or something, and he walked up, and he seen me, and he just turned around and walked off. <laughs> and I get it. Like, you walk up to a mechanic under a car, and he's crying. You walk away. <laughs> but it wasn't a bad cry, it was a good cry. <laughs> I was just, I was, you can do anything anywhere and do it with Him. And it becomes the greatest thing ever. I, there are, I double dog dare you to go and read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And it, it goes from um, like uh, 60, well actually it, it covers like Thomas and, and some of those guys. And so it goes from like 35 AD up until, um, up until about 1400. And it covers the lives of martyrs. And more than one of these martyrs, they were literally singing out, worshiping and praising God while they were impaled on stakes and set on fire. And we have a biblical example of this in, uh, in Acts chapter 6, Steve, or 7, when Stephen was being stoned. It says he looked up into heaven, and the glory of God, his face shone with the glory of God. And he said, Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. While they're stoning him to death, he didn't feel the rocks because he was looking at the rock. Whatever in your life is not producing that, I will promise you it's because you are not in alignment with the kingdom. I used to cook pizzas and worship Jesus, and my employees, I had to like pay them to give them raises to hang out. Because, I mean, it just, whatever environment you walk into, you are the light. And it's your Father's good pleasure to bring you the kingdom. We're sensitive to seekers if you're looking. But whatever brings you into the kingdom keeps you in the kingdom. If you come in here and this is something that brings you in the kingdom and really intense, legitimate worship and you get involved with it, you engage with it, and you actually konania and fellowship with people, and then you actually prepare your heart to hear the word, if that's what brings you in the kingdom, 
you are good to go. And I'll tell you this, you're going to have a really hard time finding another church. And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink. If you go through these few verses, you're going to see the Lord telling you not to do two things and why. He says, don't seek food or drink. Now, I'll say this. I'm not looking at nobody. I'll look at YouTube. Because that's where all the bad people are. This is all the good people. All the bad people are out there. I will say that probably over 90% of every Christian is bald face, blatantly defying this statement. Because if we were to be honest, your life, for the most part, is about doing what you got to do to get that paycheck. Hallelujah. And you'll get a paycheck, and you'll lose your soul. That's what Jesus said. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? And for the most part, in America in 2020, you can give a paycheck in exchange for your soul. And so people lose their souls. They have all of this soul issues, all of this muck, junk, garbage, and goo going on in their lives. But they have a paycheck. Right? It makes you feel better because at the end of the week, you got a paycheck. Which buys cable TV and the newest iPhone and all the stuff that, that makes your dead soul not feel so dead. Right? Because if you got the new PlayStation 5 that they're all in lines right now, or I've heard, whatever, if the new PlayStation is out and people will line up, they'll camp out in tents to get a game station. And I, I know that you all are thinking, no way, but there was probably some people here that thought about it. <laughs> the PlayStation's coming out. It's, that's their life. A few verses after this, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. I know exactly where everybody's heart is in here if you're willing to be transparent enough and give me two hours of your time and your check register. And I'll tell you right now, I've been saying this for eight years, and I've yet to have one person do it. Walk up to me and say, okay, when are we meeting for two hours, and I'm bringing my check register, and you're going to tell me where my heart is. They don't want to know. You already know. And you don't want me to know. (laughs) But the thing is, like, who cares if I know? Your father knows. Your father knows. He said, don't seek your natural stuff. In in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus said this at another time, He preached this sermon multiple times, y'all, by the way. Jesus repeated Himself a lot. Because people didn't get it then. I know we all get it now, but those people were way more dense than we were. And when He said this in Matthew 6, He said, don't seek what you should eat, don't seek what you should drink, and don't seek your shelter, your clothes. And if we were to be honest, everybody in here, if I said, hey, why do you have a job? Well, so I can eat and drink and have clothes and and shelter. And Jesus specifically said, don't do that. (laughs) And I know that a bunch of you are thinking, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Is it sin to have a job? No. But your job, the purpose of your job is to provide for you seed, to sow, to give. I know, this is a new wrinkle in everybody's brain. Ephesians chapter 6 says the reason that you're supposed to work a job is so that you have seed to sow. The whole purpose of your job is supposed to be for you to have money to give away. (laughs) I know, everybody's saying amen. (laughs) Well, then how do I eat? I know, it's, it's an anomaly. It's almost like you'd have to depend upon a father. I have two amazing kids. I adore them. I was just thinking, one of the things that I woke up, I woke up like ten times last night. The Lord was like, hey, we get to preach. I'm like, I know. Can I take a nap? 
And one of the things that I was thinking about was the the way children it's just if they grow up in a healthy environment the way children are just it's so easy for them to be with that in my in my uh, medicine cabinet the bottom part there's a there's a cardboard uh not cardboard uh what's it construction paper red heart that says i love you daddy and it's from hannah and it was the first time I ever went to Thailand. We were there like two weeks, and this is before you could call back and forth. Some, some of you are so spoiled, you didn't know that there used to be long distance and roaming and all that stuff. <laughs> so I was in Thailand for two weeks, and um, Hannah hid in my clothes. Like, she snuck in when my wife was packing my bag, and she hid in my clothes a handmade construction heart that she said, I love you, Daddy, and little heart on a heart. And it was just, and it was, and it, I was having a bad day that day in Thailand because there was just some funky stuff. And I got my clothes out to do And there's this heart from my daughter. And to be fair, it's worth nothing. My mom, my, my mom, my wife bought the construction paper and probably loaned her the marker. She had zero vested dollars in that. And bought my whole heart. Are you following me with your father? One of, one of these moments I got shook by because Gunner got me, I think it was for my birthday or Christmas, I can't remember, he got me this tool. And it was kind of like one of those as-seen-on-TV tools that pretty much has no purpose. I mean, it looks cool. It sounds cool. It's one of those things like when you're like, oh, I need one of those. And then you get one. You're like, oh, this is retarded. And you, and so I got, and I'm a tool guy because I'm a mechanic and I, I own investment properties. And so I fix houses. I fix cars. I fix everything. Build furniture in the nursery. <laughs> and I'm huge on tools. I love tools. And Gunner knows that. And he was a little dude. I don't even remember how. This was in Texas. And so he was a little dude. And he got me one of these tools. And I remember like, ah, kid. It's a dumb tool. I can't even use it. I got better tools that do all the things that this tool does already. I got name brand tools. And I'm like, thanks, son. And he, God bless him. Kids are super healthy, despite their father. And he's just like, well, you know, I tried. And I'm like, well, thanks. And he went off and played or whatever. It was probably Christmas morning. And my wife said, Gunner picked that out for you and used his money. And Gunner knew that his father loved tools. And to Gunner, this was the coolest of all the tools. That he gave to his father. And it hit me. Like you're understanding right now. And I had to go in the bedroom. And sob. And pull myself back together. And I came out and I apologized to Gunner. And that tool. If you come in my garage. Through the garage door. And you go to the shelf. On the right side. By Kay's passenger side back door. On the third shelf. On the right-hand side of the shelf, that tool sits right there. And it will be in my possession for the rest of my life. Why? Because it, it was a son to a father. His treasure was in me. In that moment. And if my son, who's not perfect yet, (laughs) loves his father, who's not perfect yet, amen, that way, how much does your father, who is perfect, 
love and care for you. And you need to care for yourself because He can't or won't or don't. When He's saying seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and your Father will make sure all these things are added to you, He's not lying. He's not a liar. He's a Father. And you're His kids. And when we play the seeker sensitivity thing, that we're always looking, 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 seeking, 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 from all of these natural places, if I just had the right money, if I just had the right car, if I just had the right house, if I just had the right spouse, and so we keep swapping spouses and swapping houses and swapping cars and swapping churches, if I just had the right one, then everything would work. Seeker, sensitive to the wrong things to seek. He told us two things not to seek. Don't seek the natural things that you can provide for yourself. And do not be of doubtful mind. And most people say, okay, yeah, no unbelief, don't be doubtful. That's not actually what doubtful mind means. This is the word... Meteorizo. Uh, and I, if you're a Greek person, just whatever. I said it wrong. It's where we get our English word meteor. And it literally means to suspend. And so obviously it's applying towards your thoughts. It means to put your thoughts in suspension. And it's talking about a person that just won't make any decisions. Because they don't want to mess up, right? Well, I don't know what to do. I don't want to mess up. Mess up! It's better for you to make a mistake. And here's, here's why people don't want to mess up. You, here, here's the, because they're super proud and arrogant. And God forbid you've got to admit to someone that you made a mistake. God forbid. That you're not perfect in someone else's eyes. I just stood up here and told you that I gave a car to a sex offender. <laughs> if there was like a trophy for humility today, I would totally be getting it. <laughs> and then if I took it, I wouldn't get it because it's a trophy and then you're supposed to, you get it. It's my... So, this is talking about a person who has their thoughts in suspension they don't want to make a decision. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They don't want to... And what happens is, is they put their entire life in suspension. It's like a meteor. That's where the word meteor is because when they... The, you know, a thousand years ago when an astronomer will look up, he's like, that's not a star. It's just something that just suspended there. It's not moving. It's not changing. It's just suspended there. And the application is... Um, literally means suspended in midair and is the root word of the English term meteor, a mind that is suspended in anxious thoughts or shifting from one conviction to another. A mind that is suspended in anxious thought or shifting from one conviction to another. A ton of the body of Christ. Anxious thoughts about all that. What happens if the thing? What? What about the election? What? A pandemic. Wear a mask. And are we going to go back to school? We're not going back to school. Are they going to give me a fine for being at beloved church? Are they going to arrest me? All this anxious, all this suspense, all this, and the two things that the father said, "Don't do." is spend your life working for all the things that you think you need in the natural and spend all of your thoughts suspended in all the things that you think that you need to think about in order to provide for yourself. 
Both of those things are probably 95% of the average Christian's time. And both of those things he specifically said, do not do. Lay those things down. And then the cool thing is that he tells us why. He said, because this is what the nations of the world do. And that word nations is ethos, which means people group. And so he's saying that the folks of this world, the people groups of this world, that's what they do. Beloved, listen to me. If we could take your life and follow you around and look and see what goes on in your life and then take your completely agnostic, atheistic neighbor and follow them around for a week and there's not a whole lot of difference, then there's not a whole lot of difference. A child of God, a person of light, the salt of the earth, a city set on a hill, there should be something way different in our life than in the average unbeliever's life. People should say, man, that person believes. That person's a person of faith. That person must have a relationship with God. That person is really about the things of heaven. If folks aren't saying that about you, I'm not condemning you. I'm not making you feel bad or guilty or shame. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just saying that you. a lot of times you can actually find out who you are by looking at asking other people because they're going to look at you really. We tend to filter ourselves. Well, I'm a really, really good guy. I just don't like to talk about God. You, you're not going to have ten minutes of conversation with, the, with me without God, Jesus coming up, and K. Why? Because that's it. <laughs> if I ain't serving Him, I'm serving her. <laughs> it's just that if I talk to you for two hours, the only thing that comes up is the Packers. Mm-hmm. Amen. The two reasons is because the world does that. And here's the amazing thing. You know how many Christians I know that literally try to make their lives, they, they take the model of somebody in the world, and they say, well, they're successful, and so I'm going to do what they did. You're, you're, you're going to model yourself after a successful ungodly person. When you have a book that you may or may not open up that has a very successful God person who can show you exactly what life is supposed to look like. I want to be just like the famous baseball player friend dude guy. I want to be like Jesus. And that's okay. If you want to be like the the baseball guy, that's great. You just need to understand that you're not in the kingdom because that's what the world does. That's the model. The model is the successful writer, the successful Hollywood star. They don't care that that Hollywood star is on drugs, is on alcohol, is on their 14th marriage, is probably jacked up in every way that you can be jacked up, but you see, they make a million dollars a minute making a movie. That's how I want to be. That's what the world thinks. The world said said that Goliath was like the bomb. Right? I mean, Goliath was the peak, the pinnacle of everything. And then David came along and said, he doesn't have a scar on his waist area. He's not even a God person. I'll kill him with a rock. Go read the story. First Samuel chapter 17. David was like, he's uncircumcised. I'm circumcised. What's the problem? It was just black and white for David. I'm a person of God. He's not. I'll kill him. Why don't we get this? This isn't the story of David and Goliath isn't in there in there so we can say, man, this would be a great kids' church story two thousand years from now. Right? It's in there so we can say, This is what a person who actually knows that he has a covenant with God is going to look at their giant like. Don't do it because that's what the nations of the world do. And the second reason was 
poor, misinformed, underinformed God actually already knows what's going on in your life before you complain 14 times on Facebook. Please pray for me. I can't tell you what's going on, but everybody out there pray for me. I pray they lose their phone. I do. I actually pray that. Like, I pray that their Facebook account gets jacked up. I pray they can't post for two days. Your father knows. If you think you need to get 50 people together on a prayer chain, and then maybe God will give you like 50% of what you're praying for, then you don't know God. And I'm not being mean. You just don't think he's a father. You think he's some deity way off out there and you got to do all this sacrifice stuff and, and get a virgin and throw him in a volcano and, and give all your money and cut yourself and do all this stuff and get 50 people together to scream at him because he's way off out there. And the whole time he's like, you know, I'm right here. Like, I live in you. I know what's going on. In fact, I actually know more about what's going on than you know what's going on. This is one of the reasons that I don't pray and ask God for stuff. Because I probably ask for the wrong stuff. (laughs) Lord, fix Ryan! (laughs) You know why I don't pray that? For two reasons. One, Ryan don't need to be fixed. And two, if i got a problem with Ryan, it's probably me. And not too many people say, Lord, fix me. You you follow me? This is why I don't ask God for stuff. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask God for stuff. I'm just saying, like, He already knows what I need. And He told me if I would do what He told me to do, then He'll bring my needs. And I don't even have to worry about it. I can just go about and do my thing. And then I'm like, well, hey, there's food. (laughs) Praise God. We need food. It's good that it's there. A house. (laughs) Check. Got it. All right. So anyway, about the kingdom. And if any, some of you, a bunch of you have been to our house. We have a beautiful house. We eat well. Too well. Uh, We're well, well, but I'm just, we're just busy doing the kingdom. Kay's serving the ladies. Kay's serving the church. I'm serving... All y'all, the best I know how to, and serving the world, and traveling, and, and, and studying, and thinking, and it's fun, it's super awesome, and you, if you think your life is really, really awesome, and you've never seen the dead raised, it's too bad. There's more awesomeness for you. If you've never seen someone heal the cancer, if you've never seen someone, if you've never seen a marriage reconciled, if you've never, I mean, I don't know what you call fun. But that stuff makes your stuff look not awesome. That's seeking the kingdom. If you're, if you're seeking the kingdom, then God's like, well, hey, I don't have to worry about doing the kingdom stuff because Steve's doing the kingdom stuff, so I can just do Steve's stuff. You know, the Father would actually take better care of me than I would ever take care of me. Does anybody have a good natural father? A good natural father. I want my children to exceed me. In success. Are you following me? If you're a good parent, you want your kids to exceed you in success. You don't want them to have any of the scars that you have. You don't want them to have any of the problems that you have. You don't want them to have to go through the stuff that you went through. You want to give them advice. Give them encouragement. You want to tell them what not to do. Not because you want to be bossy, most of you. But because you don't want your kids to go through the terrible stuff you went through. Don't do that. That sucks. Do it this way. Trust me. That way, it's a mess to do it this way. You, you think that the father... You, I don't know very much compared to the father at all. So when the father's saying, hey, seek first the kingdom, do that. You seek the kingdom. Seek being right. You, you, you focus on that. I'll take care of all this. The reason that we don't is because we don't believe He can or we don't believe He will 
Or we think he's going to do that poverty thing, like if you need a car, he's going to give you a Dodge. I'm going to stop. We seek what he tells us to seek. And then he has permission to seek what he's supposed to seek. Which his job as father is you. Your job as son is Him. When those things are harmonic, the engine purrs. When I'm out of place and I'm trying to do my own thing, fight for my own rights, scrabble, scrounge, and work hard, and fingers to the bone, and all this stuff that people say so everybody thinks that they're super awesome, When you do all that, you're just illustrating the fact that you cannot or will not trust your father. And I can assure you, he's trustworthy. To seek is think, meditate, reason, investigate, inquire about, desire. So when he says that you're supposed to seek, that means that's what you think on. That's what you inquire about. That's what you meditate on. That's what you desire. I desire to see the heavenly realities come to this earth. That's seeking. And if that doesn't dominate your thought life, your actions, where you go, what you do, why you do it, then you have a lot of opportunity. And I, for one, have a lot of opportunity. And I'm the pastor. This is something that we all get to grow in together. All right, I would like to bless you. Please rise. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the beloved family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul your mind your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the father desires for you to have we love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon goodbye beloved Speak life.